Welcome back to In The Loop, a WordPress agency podcast by Blackbird Digital. I'm Corey Hugert, and in this episode, Phil Hoyt and I interview Amber Hines of Equalize Digital, an agency and plugin company that specializes in accessibility. We talk about their accessibility checker plugin, how it can be useful for agencies and their clients, and the journey of building it, as well as Amber's involvement as lead organizer of this year's WordPress Accessibility Day, happening November 2nd, 2022. If you have questions about WordPress website development, contributing, or anything else web-related that you'd like to hear us discuss, send an email to podcast at blackbird.digital. You can also find us on Twitter as inloop underscore WP. Blackbird Digital is a web and app development agency that specializes in WordPress, creating on-screen experiences that connect, teach, communicate, and inspire. Visit blackbird.digital for more information. Enjoy the show. Welcome uh, to our special guest, Amber Hines, founder and CEO of Equalize Digital and uh, the lead organizer of WP Accessibility Day, which is coming up November 2nd and 3rd, 2022, but more on that later. Uh, Welcome, Amber. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. And hello again, Phil. Hey, how's how's he doing? (laughs) Um, So, uh, Amber, please tell us uh, briefly a little bit about yourself and, and how you came into WordPress. Yeah, so I am the CEO of a company called Equalize Digital, which you mentioned already. And I have been working in WordPress since 2010. Um, I started as, I guess, what you would call a mommy blogger. (laughs) (laughs) And I um, used to, I, I was working in marketing in higher ed. And when my youngest daughter was about 10 months old, my husband got a job in restaurants. Uh, on Nantucket and we moved to Nantucket and I was like, I'm going to blog this. So I started doing it and I had a few people come to me and say, Hey, I really like your WordPress website. Will you help me with mine? And so I did it for free. And then I was like, wait, I could actually maybe charge people for this. (laughs) So I freelanced in WordPress, um, sort of part-time until 2000 and the end of 2014 is when I decided to get serious. And then mid 2015, we decided that it would make sense for my husband to join me in the business and we rebranded and it was just him and me for a while and some freelancers. And then, um, and then we have grown to a larger team and now we have a business partner, Steve, um, who co-owns the Equalize with us as well. Hello, Steve. He's not here. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying hello. Great. Wow. That's great. Um, so you've had you've had a couple of um, name changes over the years, but basically it's been mm-hmm. the same business over the course of that time. Well, it's been there's been a transition. So you know, in the early days, of course, you do just about anything anyone will ask you to do. So it was like logo design, mm-hmm. which I am not a designer, y'all. Like I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> I feel a little bad for the people that I made logos for back in the day, but um, but so it was kind of all of that. And then for a few years, we were all around just digital marketing, which I do feel we are pretty good at. And we, we did uh, website design, we do social media, my husband having moved out of restaurant, but having the food background, we actually had a number of food clients, and he would do recipe development for them to put on their 
um, food websites, right? Like how people can use their products and food photography. And so he got really good at food photography. (laughs) Um, But in 2020, we realized that we kind of wanted to tighten up the business. And that's where Equalize Digital came in. Um, During COVID, a lot of our clients, there was almost a complete rollover. Um, A lot of them, we had a lot of conferences and uh, like a bar in downtown Austin. It was like Mm -hmm. the bar can't open. So we're not paying Mm -hmm. you for marketing, right? So so that really caused us during COVID to sort of reevaluate what we wanted our business to be. We had been doing accessibility work since 2016, but we really realized that that was um, a passion for us. And it really tied in with our values as an organization, we're a certified B Corporation. So that was the impetus for us rebranding into Equalized Digital and being solely accessibility focused, not really trying to be the broad, like do everything sure. digital marketing agency, but really niche. And at this point, even we're only WordPress accessibility. So right. um, in the beginning, we would do some accessibility audits outside of WordPress, but we really decided we really wanted to focus in WordPress because it's where we feel like we can deliver the most value. I'm really curious how that got started because I believe in a lot of cases, accessibility unfortunately becomes like a a checklist at the end of the process. And I'd be very curious how you started integrating that into your process from being a mom blogger to doing more advanced websites. And how did that kind of, was that always something at the beginning that you were thinking of? Like, yeah, how did that come to be? So it started, the first project was a website that we did for Colorado State University. And we do work to them to this day. And um, that was in 2016. And they were figuring out internally what their process would be. And the first couple websites we built for them, they just got launched. And then they said to us in the middle of one or towards the end of one, oh, we have this accessibility review team now. (laughs) And they're actually going to do an audit on your website. And it's not just you said it is accessible, like it's going to meet the standards. And we're like, oh, okay, well, that would be very educational for us. And it was very educational for us. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it was Oof. very uh, what what I, I lovingly call trial by fire. On, sure. Like, can yeah. we actually pass an, an accessibility audit and getting through that? But, you know, you you learn as you go. And so it's like you made this mistake or they tell you, hey, the navigation would be better in this way. And then you fix it in your starter theme. And every website has better mm-hmm. accessible navigation from that point moving forward. Um, so So there was a lot of that. Um, another project that was really pivotal for us is one that we worked on in 2019 and it wrapped up and launched like right before COVID hit. Um, and that was for workforce solutions panhandle, which is an agency for anyone who's not familiar with that is funded by the federal government. And it helps people who are receiving, um, if they're receiving like food benefits or other sorts of things, they have to work with work solution to help them get employment if they don't have suitable employment. And so it had to be accessible. And that was the first one where we actually brought in user testers. So when we we bid that as an RFP and I said, we're going to write into the budget that we are going to have people with disabilities testing this website because we really like beyond our confidence level, like we really need to know that this works. Mm-hmm. I can't build something like this and not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was the first time that I had really spent a lot of time talking with users with disabilities, having them test my work, going back, doing fixes, and then saying, okay, now test it again. Um, 
and just seeing some of the hangups that they got into, um, some of which were literal accessibility problems, some of which are more broadly what you would call usability problems, where it might actually have tripped up anyone. Um, but that, it was just, it was very eye-opening. And, and I think for us as a team, we saw that and it was like, this is, this is who, like, this is why we're doing this. This is who benefits from this. Um, and, you know, seeing real people and some of those people have continued to do tests for us on other projects. And it's like, well, we want it to work for Devin. We want, like, it's a real human being, right. That mm -hmm. you care about. Mm -hmm. um, and, and also I've built some friends in the accessibility community, um, like a broader WordPress accessibility community is the same thing. And I think that's been really helpful and part of how we sort of made that transition and it became a passion for us. So was that the impetus to become a B Corp? Uh, no. So we were, so our brand before was, it was called Road Warrior Creative. Um, and we became a B Corp actually under Road Warrior Creative. Oh, okay. So accessibility just fit really well into that. Um a B Corporation, if someone isn't familiar, is a company that has a triple bottom line. So it benefits the shareholders, but it also benefits the employees and benefits the community as a whole. Um, and I think for us, we really felt like we wanted to be a company that did more. And it was more than just about making money for ourselves as owners. Um, so our partner, Steve, he actually started as an employee, and he's now a one third owner in the company. Um, and that's kind of like, we're just, my husband and I, when we were talking about it way back, um, and him coming into the business and creating an organization that was more than just me as a freelancer, what did we want the culture of that to be? And so there were a lot of conversations around that and like, what kind of employer we wanted to be, because I think we had both experienced good and not so good employee experiences and starting to think about if we're hiring a team, what's that going to be? Mm -hmm. So there was some, some motivation there. Um, and, and then just like generally giving back to the community and the certification process was a way for us to really say like, yes, we have these value statements on our website, but we're not just saying that it's real. And here's this third party organization that has vetted us and said, yes, they really do. They really do give back to the community. They, do treat their employees right. They do have environmental aspects to their business and, and all of those sorts of things. Admirable, for sure. Thanks. Um, so uh, we've we've heard a, a lot about how Equalized Digital kind of came to be as uh, mostly seemingly as like, a, you know, a, a digital agency doing agency work, bidding on website projects and this, those sorts of things. I know of Equalized Digital as a plugin developer of uh, the accessibility accessibility checker plugin, which we will talk about shortly here. Um, so do you consider yourself now uh, an agency with plugin offerings or uh, a plugin shop with agency offerings? It's a really interesting question. <laughs> so I think we still probably very much qualify as an agency with a software product because that's where most of our revenue comes from. Where we want to go is we want to be a software company. That is our long-term goal. I think that there may 
always be some auditing services that we will provide. But in the long run, our hope is that the majority of our revenue will be able to come from Accessibility Checker and other software products that we might sell. I think it's an interesting journey getting there. Maybe a little harder than I thought when we Mm. were first like, let's launch a paid plugin. (laughs) It takes more effort maybe than I realized in the beginning, but uh, that's kind of where we're hoping to go in the long run. So speaking of launching the first product, um, and and Mm -hmm. I don't want to dwell on it too much here, but, um, you know, it it seems to me anyways, that the dream of almost every agency is that passive income, right? Um, whether that's actually the reality of it or not, of course. But, um, so in, uh, 2019, I believe, I I think it existed before that, but in 2019 you launched for, you know, um, on the market, uh, a plugin called WP conference schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, before we get into that terrible timing, um, what was the motivation to, to build a conference scheduling plugin in the first place as an agency? So the conference, yeah, the conference schedule plugin came into play because of clients. So I'd mentioned earlier, we had a lot of clients in the conference space and there just wasn't anything out there that existed for them. And so that plugin was, built and funded by client work. And then, but we sort of said, we knew early on, you know, we wanted to have a product. And so we're like, let's build this in a way that we could potentially um, sell it. So we built the free and that's what launched in 2019. And we had clients pay us to build what was going to become pro, which Hmm. we never launched. Hmm. (laughs) Um, and then we ended up selling WP Conference Schedule yeah, earlier I'm, this year. I will uh, drop a link um, in the description. Um, you have a, a great blog about that whole process of kind of developing it and then eventually uh, selling it. Um, but yeah, who knew that a pandemic was just around the corner um, for a conference scheduling plugin, right? Yeah, that was the thing. Like, in we had thought that we were going to launch Pro in 2020 right after we wrapped up that big panhandle website project and then uh COVID happened and like mm-hmm. all our conferences were like we don't know what we're gonna do we're on hold because this is before they'd even figured out that they could do them virtually right mm-hmm. um and so we're like well announcing this product right now feels weird <laughs> <laughs> so we just shelved it and we thought we still thought we were gonna come back to it uh And we thought this will just be a second product. Let's focus on accessibility checker. Let's get accessibility checker. And that was even last year when we wrote our, we always sit down as an ownership team and we write smart goals and then we take it to our employees and they can, you know, contribute. Um, But we had a goal for early this year, um, Q1, we were going to launch WP Commerce Schedule Pro. And then... January happened and we were talking about things and looking at everything. And we realized this goal does not make any sense because we have a list of features a mile long that we want to add to accessibility checker. We already have paid users doing that and spending time on this other product. Cause even though it was just about there, it was like, we pretty much needed to write documentation and we needed to add EDD mm-hmm. <laughs> and, it, and then it was ready to go. Like it was functional. Um, but the reality is, and I, that's what I write about in the blog post, is that it's not like you just throw up the website for it and people start buying it, right? You have to tell people about it and you have to market it in other ways. 
And, um, you know, we're not a huge team. There's about five of us. And then we have a handful of freelancers that work with us as well. But but the reality is, is trying to do that for another product, all that would do is take away from the accessibility checker. And when we sat down, we talked about like accessibility checker is core to who we are and our mission as a company. And this other thing would just be a distraction that would take away from it. And so that's why we decided not to launch it. There's a, there's a great quote that I pulled out from that article. It says, no, it's not if you build it, they will come. It's if you market it correctly, they will come. And if the product is actually good, they'll stick around. <laughs> Great yeah. quote. Um, so uh, you did not you did not let the horrible stroke of fate deter you. Uh, you moved right on to the accessibility checker plugin. Um, we actually had a conversation with Bet Hannon back in episode thirteen, uh, where we talked a little bit about you know how to impress upon our clients that accessibility is ultimately their responsibility. Right. Um, but sometimes it seems like it might be asking a bit too much of them for, for, for they themselves to become accessibility experts. Right. So I wonder if maybe that might pertain a little bit to the motivation behind building accessibility checker in the first place. Yeah, I think the the motivation behind building it was, I mean, really, we drew a lot of parallels to some of the SEO plugins that are out there, which is, you know, you launch the website, and it's something that you have to do on an ongoing basis. And we would frequently train clients, and we'd even sometimes be like, here's your PDF checklist. Every time you add a blog post, make sure, you know, you have <laughs> alt text on your featured image, like <laughs> like all these different things, right? But the reality is, is, if it's not right there on the post edit screen, they're going to forget they're humans. We're all, you know, we make mistakes. And so we were like, okay, what can we do? So we talked about some of those SEO plugins where they say, you have headings, <laughs> you have enough words, like all these different things. And we're like, we need to build something that does that, but for accessibility. Um, so that was really the motivation behind building it. And then the other thing, and that's really what is driven accessibility checker pro which really a ton of agencies are buying more than like actual website owners is for people that know they want to be more accessible but they're not really sure where to start or they want like this big picture where where is the status of my website um what are some low-hanging fruits that like something that's on every page and if i fix it in one place it will fix a problem across every page on my website um, and that was kind of our thought is maybe we can build something that will help educate people as they're using it so that they can get better and it will make it easier to identify those issues. Now, can it identify everything? No, because there are some problems that require a human being to assess or um, that just literally can't be figured out with a software program running an algorithm. Mm -hmm. um, but that said, like it is... It is something that even if they only do this, it, there are problems that it can find that will definitely make websites better and more accessible. Um, it shouldn't be the be all end all, but if a client or a individual blogger gets our free plugin and it helps improve their website even a little bit, like that is a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's kind of part of our thing about why we have a free version because we legitimately want to see a change in the WordPress ecosystem when it comes to accessibility, since so many websites are built on WordPress. 
Um, so we will always have a free version and it will always be a, as much as we can, like a very full featured free version, because I just want people to have more accessible websites and cost becomes a problem, especially for small businesses. Right. So we're trying to create something that makes it, that balances some of that. Makes sense. Um, can you, can you talk a little bit about, and, and yeah, now thinking about it, the, um, the parallels between SEO plugins and this makes total sense now. Um, can you, can you describe a little bit of uh, how the plugin actually works under the hood? So we have what we internally call rules, sometimes checks. I think it's more visibly called checks because we decided that was more friendly. Um, but we have over 40 different things that we're looking for that we've created. There's either errors or warnings. Errors are things that we 100% know are incorrect. And they are also definite accessibility problems. Most of them, nearly all of the errors can be mapped to at least one web content accessibility guideline, either 2.0 or 2.1 rule. Mm -hmm. um, and then warnings are things that could be a problem, but we think a human needs to assess it. Um, so that could be something like uh, empty alternative text. So it's not necessarily always wrong to not have alternative text on an image. So we'll flag that as a warning. And then a person needs to look at it and say, oh, this is decorative. It's fine. Or nope, actually, this should have alternative text. Or it could be something really broad. Like we tell you if you're linking to a PDF. And it's because we can't scan your PDF for accessibility. Right. <laughs> so right. we're warning you, you now have a responsibility to test your PDF for accessibility. Um, so fair. it puts a report on every post edit screen in the free version. It's only pages and posts. If you want to do custom post types like products or portfolio, then you would need to have the paid version. Um, but there's a summary that provides a high level count. So you can have errors, contrast errors, warnings. And then if you've ignored items and sort of like a percent of tests that have passed. And then if you go to the details tab, you can see um, what those specific things are and the different code snippets that have flagged it. Um, so that's really where I think most content creators live is on that post edit screen. And then in the pro version, there are site wide sections. Um, so you can go and you can see a list. This was new as of Friday. We just mm -hmm. released a big thing where you can see every error or warning and the number of them that exists across the entire site. And then you can click in and go to one and, and then see all those issues. Um, we also have the ability to like track. So if someone dismisses something and they put a comment, no, this is decorative and they hit ignore, that makes it go away from the post edit screen. Um, in pro an admin can go and see who has put those in the date and any comments that they may have written. So that's a way if you are doing oversight on your content creators, mm -hmm. you could go back and be like, were they just dismissing this? Cause I told them it has to be all green <laughs> before, <laughs> right. But actually, no, this is incorrect. So you could then reopen them and it would make it show back up or something like that. Um, okay. So but, in, in the, uh, in the pro version, there are, uh, more sort of, like you said, oversight tools. Are there things where you can make it impossible to post if you haven't checked off everything? So right now you can publish anyway, but that is something that we are planning to add, which is the ability to block. I think we're going to, we're waiting until we're going to add individual rule settings 
so that because not everyone is going to want to block for everything. So that way site administrators could say block publishing for these specific things and then they can choose the errors or warnings they want to block publishing on. It makes a lot of sense. And then it and then if they tried it would say, "Oh, sorry, you can't this won't update or mm-hmm. it won't publish unless you go resolve these problems." So that's what we're working towards is more of the governance side because the higher ed and the government users that we have they're using already that's some of the feedback they provided because they're in section 508 compliance land where they know they have to be accessible and they just need a way to make sure that joe faculty member (laughs) who knows nothing about websites at all isn't adding problems that the university is going to get sued for um speaking of getting sued for things one of the other things we talked about in the bet hannon uh episode was about uh, accessibility statements. And uh, mm-hmm. I see that the one of the features of the plugin is generating an accessibility statement. I, I admit that I, I haven't tried uh, generating one yet, so I haven't seen what it ends up looking like. But can you can you talk a little bit about, you know, first of all, wh- why why it's necessary? I suppose to to have one, especially for those sorts of, you know, 508 compliant organizations that, that you just mentioned and, um, you know, what, what, uh, how the plugin handles creating one for you. So I'm not an attorney. I'm like, I can't give any legal advice, (laughs) Fair enough. but, um, we've had attorneys that have spoken at WordPress accessibility meetup that I run. And then I've had the opportunity to hear them give other presentations at different conferences and stuff. And really, the, access, the reason why they recommend accessibility statements is that someone who is legitimately looking for help, they might look for that and that will tell them where they can go if they're having problems with the website. Um, it can help to reduce lawsuits, is can. my understanding. <laughs> it may not always uh-huh. because, um, so Lainey Feingold spoke at WordPress Accessibility Meetup in March. And she said, there's two kinds of lawyers in this, right? The ones that legitimately, like their client comes and they say, and the first question is, do they have an accessibility statement? Yes. Okay. Go contact them with this email address or phone number that they have on their accessibility statement and see if they can help you. That, And then there's the other kind, which is just like, they're going to see you no matter what. <laughs> um, but, but the thing is, is it can help. And and even beyond the lawsuits is it can be helpful for people to know what you're working on, trying to improve or, you know, if your if your contact form doesn't work, and honestly, like that's one of the first things you should test. But like, excuse me, having a email address or a phone number that they can contact you on, that's a great way for them to be able to get help right away. So essentially it can help you a lot in just providing more information to your users. The way it works in our plugin is we it's very much like a WordPress privacy policy page, which is it just automatically creates a draft page. It's not published on your website that has um, headings in it and paragraph text and some bolded list where it's basically like, enter things here. <laughs> um, and it, it has a blurb at the beginning that's like, this is our company is committed to accessibility and we want to make our website work for everyone. Um, there's a section where you can talk about how you're testing your website. So if you want to say we're using accessibility checker, we're using keyboard testing, we use screen readers, like whatever might apply to the website. And then you can list out areas that you're working to improve. 
some people use that. I've also seen some where they're like, no, we're not going to. Um, we, te we tend to recommend it if you have a lot of like, let's say PDFs and you know they're not accessible. It's good to just be like, our PDFs may not be accessible um, before this date. And, and, then, and then having a way for people to contact you and generally you don't want it to be a form um, because what if something weird breaks on your website and it doesn't work? Sure. So having an actual email address or a phone number and you probably want to have multiple um, so that, for example, if you only had a phone number and someone was deaf, they wouldn't be able to use that. Um, so that's pretty much what it does. It generates the draft page when you install the plugin and then you can choose to publish it and use it if you want or not. Uh, we've definitely found like, you know, with that comparison with the WordPress privacy policy draft page, like as an agency and, and our clients have certainly found that sort of thing as, you know, helpful as a, as a starting point. And it might actually, might actually, you know, have you thinking about, you know, what sort of tracking or whatever, you know, your website is actually doing and what is maybe actually needed or not. And, um, it sounds like uh, not only does this draft accessibility statement help you create one to have, but also maybe lead you down some some paths to think about if are you doing this these kind of tests or should you be or that sort of thing. So there's um, you've already mentioned that there is a free version that that is very fully featured, works on posts and pages, etc. And of course, uh, a pro version. Um, and you did mention that uh, it seems very popular with with um, agencies. So you're you're having more agencies purchasing. I'm assuming some sort of big bundle of a bunch of you know where you can have it activated on a whole bunch of different sites, and then passing that along to their clients as part of their either agreement in the contract that, that the site needs to be accessible and there's a, a you know, a feature, um, you know, it, it, it makes sense to me, right. That the, um, posts and, and pages are come with the free version, right. That's, that's what you're going to get if you're setting up a, a blog as a blogger and that's probably mm -hmm. all you're going to need. But if you are selling things and making money off your website, or if you are like us, an agency and, you know, we're, um, uh, always, you know, we're always creating new custom post types for just about, just about anything. Everything. So probably yeah. more things than we need to, right? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that makes total sense that in that case, um, you're going to be handling more things, more custom things. Um, you're going to need the pro version for that. What, which do you think is, which do you think just in general is better for, cause you, you have a goal of, of just better, more accessible web overall. So which do you think is better for adoption, that free version for bloggers or, you know, agencies making a commitment to, ha you know, creating accessible sites for their larger clients and making sure they have this installed on them? So I think, I think more broadly, what would make the biggest difference in accessibility period across the WordPress ecosystem is if agencies and freelance developers made accessibility a priority. And it would, I mean, it would be awesome if they all used our plugin, <laughs> but even beyond that, right? As somebody who just cares about accessibility, like going to the front end of every website you build and hitting the tab key 
and making sure that you can see a visible focus outline on every element that is focusable and that you can use the slider or add products to a cart. And then, you know, if it opens a pop-up and you, can you close the pop-up, like all of these things, like that would make a huge difference. And I really feel like that is a direction that I'm hoping more and more people and developers of websites are moving into uh, for the free users, the people who just have personal blogs or, um, you know, small, very, very small businesses that DIY their own WordPress site. What would help the most is if the plugin developers made the output of their plugins accessible. Mm. Um, I don't want to call anyone out, but I just used a plugin. <laughs> I tried to use a plugin on the WP Accessibility Day website on Friday that was, I was thinking, oh, this is going to be a great no-code solution. It's going to allow me to output a list of our donors that have donated money to the conference in about like 10 minutes. And the HTML on it, it said list view and it wasn't a list. It was a whole bunch of nested divs with a class mm-hmm. of list. Okay. <laughs> and I was just like, oh. This is so frustrating because it needs to be like we need it as a list and it needs to be actually coded as a real list, not just a bunch of divs. Right. Um, and that's not like the worst example. There's definitely things that are worse. But but if we think about these people that don't pay developers, they need to be able to with confidence or without even knowing what accessibility is, install a plugin and have it just put accessible things on the front end of their website as opposed to not accessible things. Um I think our, you know, our free plugin, I would love if random person starting a blog would find it. I I don't know how I'm going to quite get there, right? Unless we can get WP Beginner or somebody who like speaks sure. to that audience. Yeah, right, right. Um, because they don't even go to WordCamps, right? Like they don't, they probably don't follow any WordPress podcasts, like, like all of that sort of thing. It's a little bit harder of a market to reach unless you're really good at Google, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um but I do, you know, that is a goal that we have of trying to figure out how to get there and make that work. But I think the best way to ensure their website's accessible are if the theme developers and the plugin developers that build the things that they build their websites with have accessibility as a priority. And then the bigger websites, that really is going to rely on the agencies and the developers to go to their clients and their clients and say, like, this matters. It's just like, you know, in 2011 mobile was an option. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes a completely separate. If you want to pay, if you want to pay extra, I'll make your website mobile responsive. (laughs) I I can remember a time when like, yeah, you would upcharge for responsive, but then it got to the point where it was easier to do responsive than not. And we had to tell our salespeople like, I'm going to make it responsive whether they pay or not, because it's actually harder for me to. yeah. Yeah. But it's the same thing, right? Like, Sure. Nowadays, you wouldn't say to anyone, I'm going to charge you extra for responsive. Mm-hmm. And, right. and I think it's the same thing with accessibility. You want, it should be accessible. So spend some time on fixing some of those things in your starter theme yeah. or choose a better, if you're one of the developers who builds from like a, a theme directory or a theme kit, like spend time like looking at that and then going to that developer and being like, hey, right. <laughs> this has this problem. I mean, it's interesting. You can run our, our checker. We'll find problems that were added by your theme or by other plugins. Right. And we've flagged things like the events calendar. There was one of their short codes was outputting an empty heading. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, our plugin found this. And I just, you know, messaged them and they're like, oh yeah. And they fixed it right away, which was awesome. Um, but like, I think 
telling your clients, this is a thing, it matters. This is why it matters. This is how it will help your business. And it's not just about not getting sued, right? It's about having a broader audience, more people who can create complete purchases, better SEO. Like there's a lot of benefits of accessibility um, that you can sell your clients on. And and then just building that into your process is going to be really helpful. I, I, yeah, that is something we deal with often is like, you know, install a plugin that we're hoping is going to save us some time and it out, ultimately outputs markup that's incorrect or not accessible. I, I'd love to get your thoughts. We talk about Gutenberg on this uh, podcast quite a bit. Um, and, you know, I think they've made a huge stance on making sure that their the code that is outputted from Gutenberg is accessible and also, you know, semantic and uh, I'd like to hear any of your thoughts on, you know, you've been in WordPress for quite a long time and now I'm sure you've seen plenty of page building websites. Uh, I'd like to, you know, get your opinion on the direction that Gutenberg's going and uh, probably the benefits that's probably added to the accessible um, side of things. So Gutenberg itself and full site editing is, is very interesting. We've been on, we've been block first and everything we've built is built in the block editor not full site editing, but the block sure. editor, mm-hmm. um, sure. since it was released in core. Um, I feel like lately I've been less happy with it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know, it's, that's a, it's a funny thing, but it's kind of like you have to customize. I think the output of all of the core blocks are tested very thoroughly for accessibility. That was one thing during the um, contributor day at WordCamp US. Like we were spending time just testing the newest version of all of those blocks and their output. Um, actual editing in the WordPress editor for someone who is not cited or a keyboard only user can be very, very challenging with Gutenberg. Um, There's some discussion about that. Uh, I think, you know, there's probably not enough people with disabilities who are actually included on a lot of the different um, core teams. Mm. And so that ends up resulting in either it gets tested at the very end And then it's like, well, we need to release this anyway, or it doesn't, you know, they're just not even involved from the beginning of the process, which I think is definitely a challenge. Um, With full site editing, I think the other thing that has to be kept in mind, and and I'll say this, I have only looked at it very vaguely one time when I spun up a new install and I was like, oh, this is the full site editing. And I like looked at it and I was like, meh. <laughs> right. Nothing we build sure. is full site editing. And I feel like it's a ways away from being able to work for enterprise land. Um, 2022 only just got approved to have the accessibility ready tag. And that is the first core theme that has not had an accessibility ready tag when it was released. Hmm. And that was because there were outstanding accessibility issues in the blocks that were required for full site editing, not just the user experience, but like the front end output. Um, Mm -hmm. So there was a lot that had to be done there to improve those. Um, I think there's only, there's now, there will be two when that one goes out. There's one that just got approved a little bit ago called Jace. I think the biggest challenge on any of that is education and being able mm-hmm. to make it clear to users when they are making inaccessible choices in the editor. And this is something where with some of our clients, we are actually getting more opinionated on what they can do. So a really good example on this is I would love to see the core heading block recognize what headings are already on the page and not allow you to choose the heading level you want. Mm -hmm. So 
if you are adding a heading and the heading right before it is a heading one and it's the first mm -hmm. heading on a page, you should not be able to choose H3, H4, H5, mm -hmm. H6. Right. Mm. You should only be able to choose H2. And then if you go below that, you could have H3 or, or H2, but you couldn't add an H1. You couldn't, yeah. <laughs> right? Right. So like built into WordPress right now, they already have like the color, you know, this contrast doesn't work correctly. Mm -hmm. It'd be interesting to see that something like that adapted for heading. Maybe yeah, it's not minimum. super strict at minimum. Yeah, like at a, least a um, warning, notice. if yeah. not a, a warning. Literal, and then I think something that we do as developers and agency, you know, sometimes the design wants it to be, you know, look like an H3, but it needs to be an H4. So, you know, we are constantly adding styles for, you know, Visually, it might look appear to be a different heading heading style, but it's uh, um, semantically um, the correct uh, mm -hmm. heading style. So um, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't I don't know if we've spent a lot of time thinking philosophically about like you know having it look like an H three but be an H you know H two or whatever versus now it's semantically I mean, I think correct. About it a lot, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> now it's semantically correct, but visually it's difference is that i feel like that's something we run into quite often because yeah you know design designers can just you know they have a bunch of things at their tool belt and they're just picking and pulling sometimes and you know maybe accessibility isn't when especially for headings that can maybe be feel like minutiae uh, might not be at the top of their head uh you know, calling back just to something you said a little bit earlier and this is something that we've actually had other conversations with other people on this podcast about which is just you know call for testing for gutenberg and other wordpress features in general um you know they're talking about how difficult it is to get people uh to do that and you know i personally you know as someone who's pretty tied into wordpress still have no idea when and to test anything or how to get really involved in that you know maybe that's my own fault for not looking into that more often but i, I feel like that might be a i'd be curious to know your thoughts and maybe this could go into accessibility day a little bit um but yeah how how do we possibly solve like getting more people with disabilities involved with testing so i actually think I posted on Twitter about this after Matt was answering questions at uh, WordCamp US. I think that people with disabilities need to be paid to test WordPress. Um, there are a ton of sponsored contributors that work at companies that, not just automatic, a lot of different companies sure. that they pay people to work full time on the project. And I think those companies need to decide to prioritize hiring someone with disabilities to work full time on the project. Um, especially because people with disabilities are very frequently underemployed and this would be a great way to help that community and not just say, well, they should volunteer. Mm -hmm. Um, right. when it's yeah. not like everyone who works on WordPress is a volunteer, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, there are quite a number of people. So I feel like that would be the best way. Um, Pagely actually, when I tweeted about that, they said that they would commit $5,000 to paying disabled people to test which i think is super cool we're still in the works on figuring out how to like actually make that happen and everything um but i i think probably that's one of the big things maybe also doing some outreach to different communities um or different schools so down here in austin we have texas school for the blind and visually impaired um and it would be great to see someone maybe reaching out and maybe there's a web development class at that mm -hmm. school and maybe students during the time while they're in that class could also volunteer to help with WordPress because they could learn that and potentially decide to have a career as a WordPress developer. Um, right. And so maybe there is ways to get unpaid testers to contribute. 
but in that way, like they still are getting a benefit. Like, I don't know. It's hard. (laughs) I think, um, I do think overall, unless you really know and you super get involved on the WordPress Slack or you read the make WordPress blogs, it is really hard to know when you're supposed to do something or what. Um, and I think there was, I mean, there was a long time. So I didn't even attend a meetup until I moved to Fort Collins, Colorado in 2014. So I'd been doing WordPress for four years where I lived. There weren't meetups. I had no idea. And then someone just mentioned it to me. I don't even remember where it was. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And so then I like went to Mm -hmm. one and I was like, this is so cool. There's this whole community that I didn't even know existed. And so I don't know if maybe there's a better way to put in the admin dashboard um, Mm. that there are, I mean, they show meetup events, but maybe like calls for testing or things like that in a way that is more highlighted so that the users, so because they're likely maybe users with disabilities. I'm sure there are actually not maybe. There definitely are. They use are, WordPress yeah. to build their own website. Then maybe they would see that in a way that they don't normally see if they don't go to a meetup or they don't follow it. Sure, yeah. You don't power this much of the internet and not have users. I think that's actually a great way because I, I a very similar story. I didn't go to a WordCamp probably for the first eight years of my career. And I actually only went because uh, you couldn't buy the stickers online yet. So I, I was like, I want a, I want a <laughs> you WordPress You went for the sticker. free stickers. So, yeah, I went for the free stickers and stayed for the for the. They the had friends, temporary but, um, tattoos this year. Hmm. I was like the most popular mom. Let me tell you, nice. I brought a whole sheet. And my kids were like covered. There were like gold like <laughs> necklaces that looked like <laughs> bling. <laughs> and I was like, I'm at the table. I'm like, don't judge me. I'm getting a lot of these. It's because I have children. <laughs> and I'm probably, they, they were sitting there probably like, sure, wink, wink. <laughs> yeah. Amber's going to go home and cover herself with WordPress tattoos everywhere. Uh, yeah. <laughs> A bunch of face tats for WordPress, mm-hmm. um, which I, you know, I could probably get. I got enough tattoos ever, everywhere else. So, um, yeah, I think that is an interesting place to put, you know, call to actions for WordPress in general. Because yeah, that's something I hear. You know, I think unless you're really tapped into, you know, the Twitter WordPress space, uh, it's hard to know what's happening in WordPress. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you know, we do WordPress eight hours a day, five days a week, and we still miss. I feel like I'm still missing 80% of the big picture sometimes yeah. and it just frustrates me. Oh yeah, me too. Um, Certainly so yeah, I think having this podcast and talking to smart people such as yourself has helped us in that regard. But yeah, this yeah. has actually been a really eye-opening conversation in general. It's making me rethink accessibility and how I'll approach it in the future in general. So I appreciate having this conversation with you. Can I can I give a tiny pitch for our meetup too? Of yeah. course. Our meetup is all virtual, the WordPress accessibility meetup. It's part of the official meetup program, but it's on Zoom. It's not city-based. And it's twice a month. So that's another thing that would be great if people want to learn more is to come attend Meetup. Um, And especially for plugin developers, we're doing quarterly screen reader testing of plugins live. So anyone Mm -hmm. can tune in and watch it, but the plugin developer can apply and then they can come on and they can get free user testing. Oh, wow. That's That's awesome. That's fantastic. We We will put a link yeah, that. we'll put a link to that in our description. And I feel like we might need to like link, hook you up with one of our previous guests who was, you know, kind of doing audit, auditing plugins in general. <laughs> might be able to have a little cross promotion there. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that might be fun. Awesome. That sounds really fun. Yeah, I look forward to checking that out. So let's uh, let's move into talking. Speaking of you know these sorts of uh, meetups and that sort of thing, uh, WordPress Accessibility Day is coming. So. Yeah. 
what is it and what is your role in, in putting it on? Uh, WordPress Accessibility Day is a free 24-hour conference um, that I am the lead organizer along with Joe Dolson is the other lead organizer for this year's event. This will be the second year. It first ran in 2020 and then it didn't last year. Um, and it was it came out of the accessibility team in um, core. Uh, this year it's an independent event. Uh, and it's gonna have it's a single track and it'll be virtual on the WP Accessibility Day website. You will have to register to log in. It doesn't cost anything unless you choose to donate, which you don't have to do. And uh, we have speakers from around the world. So that's part of why it's a 24-hour event because we didn't want it to just be US focused. Um, so we have a lot of different people. I think we have over 50% speakers who identify as people with disabilities. And then we have a lot of different accessibility professionals and um, developers, content creators, marketers that are sharing knowledge on accessibility. And it starts at uh, 9.45 a.m. Central Time on November 2nd, and then it'll run for 24 hours. 24 hours and 15 minutes, I guess, since we have our opening <laughs> for 15 minutes. Over 24 hours. There you go. I know, over 24 hours <laughs> of great talks, and you can tune in. They'll all be recorded. We're going to have um, live captioning and sign language interpretation this year, which we're super excited about. So um, we're going to try and make it as accessible as we can. Nice. And so what is what was the motivation for, you know, first of all, a, a video, uh, a, you know, digital conference, um, virtual, there, that's the word I was looking for, virtual conference, and it being focused um, exclusively on, you know, accessibility as opposed to, you know, maybe a, a track at a, a WordCamp. Yeah, so... I mean, the idea behind it being virtual is that we want to make it available to everyone. And, you know, this comes down, you know, back to like why it's free also as low cost as possible. So no one has to travel anywhere. Um, ideally, you are taking some time off your workday. So you'll watch more talks, but, you know, maybe not. Maybe you watch one or two and then you catch the rest later. Um, but really, I think that's why we want to live stream it. Why also why it's 24 hours. We want it to work in people's time zones um, so that, you know, it's not just in the middle of the night for some people, like it'll always be during the day for someone at different mm -hmm. times of the day. Um, and, and yeah, I think just in general, having an event that is specifically focused on WordPress accessibility allows it to, draw more attention in a way than if it was just, you know, a talk here and there or a track. Um, there are, so WordCamp Santa Clarita, they are one of the ones that they devoted a full track. So if you um, Zoomed their WordCamp, because it was virtual last year, um, it was an entire of the three sessions that were running was accessibility focused, which is really amazing. Um, WordCamp US had four different talks on accessibility. Uh, but really saying like, this is, we're going to come and we're going to talk about accessibility is great because I think it helps highlight the importance of it and that it, and also it is a very dense or deep topic. Um, we only have one track just because as organizers, that's what's easiest for us to manage. Maybe in the future, there may be more, but I feel like, you know, we could probably have way more than 24 hours of content on accessibility if we really wanted to go deep <laughs> on it. So so we're trying to create an event that highlights the importance 
is welcome and accessible to everyone on a variety of fronts. And that really shows, you know, accessibility is something you should be doing and thinking about. So what kind of talks, I guess, can we expect? And, and maybe, maybe more importantly, who, what, you know, what kinds of people should be tuning in? You know, is it more developer focused, content focused? It, it is a mix. It's not all, um, it's not all developer or content. It's also not all advanced. There are some talks that would be considered more beginner. I was looking to see, I don't think we have the schedule up just yet, um, but it should be up pretty soon. We, we have some, we're going to have three different panel discussions. So one talking on agencies, there's going to be one um, that's on how to sell your clients on accessibility. Um, We have a few different ones that will include screen reader demos where people with disabilities are going to share their screen and talk about different things. Um, We have one that's like one or two that are case studies on building uh, government websites. Um, One is outside of the US, it's in the UK. Um, We have, we have a few like more technical on the testing side that would be more dev interesting. Um, Like one is talking about how you can use tools or code in, um, I don't know if you've ever seen like with Puppeteer in this talk is I'm sort of branching a little bit because I haven't seen it, so I don't know yet. But you know, Puppeteer is a headless browser and you Mm -hmm. could actually code in user interactions and have those be automated. So we have someone that has a tool that does that who's going to talk about like coding in user interactions to help like test things, like when this pop-up opens and then do like automate the tests on it. So that's kind of cool. Um, we have a few, I always like the ones that are super targeted. So we have some that's just like pop-ups and modals, like how to make those accessible. Um, we have one that's just focused on forms, how to ensure that forms are accessible. Um, so there's kind of a broad range of topics and a lot of stuff. I think we should have either this week or later next week. (laughs) Okay. Well, definitely by the time this is out. Yeah. Yeah. We should have the schedule up. Excellent. So we'll, we'll obviously have the link to the site here. So please take a look if you're listening to this, uh, you know, soon after it releases, because it will release about two weeks or so before, um, before accessibility day happens. I, I have a, a, a cheeky question for you. Does the website use accessibility checker? Yes. <laughs> of course it does. Why wouldn't it? It does. Although I don't know. It's kind of funny because pretty much it's me editing the content and then <laughs> Joe Dalton is doing most of the code. Um, we don't really have any other content creators in there, so I don't really know if we need it. <laughs> Fair but enough. You're on a set, accessibility useful. autopilot, but you have it. In the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we are just about out of time, but um, and uh, one last important question for you, which is, what do you enjoy doing outside of WordPress and business and accessibility? Um, well, I have four daughters. So my oldest is 13 and my youngest is two. So I'm very busy doing mom stuff, which is a variety of dance and soccer <laughs> and uh, piano lessons and all of Girl Scouts and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
And I do listen, I listen to a lot of podcasts, but most of my podcasts are business or WordPress podcasts. So I don't know if that technically counts as not business, but uh, yeah. Fair enough. And the other thing is, I guess, you know, we, we like to travel. We haven't done as much of it in more recent years, but my husband and I, we had a travel trailer that we lived in for more than a year with our, when we had three kids at the time and that was fun and we traveled a bunch. So mm, that's awesome. keep talking about trying to get back into it. It gets harder the more activities the children start sure. doing. I bet. Sure. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we we are out of time now. Thank you so much for having a conversation with us about uh, so many so many things that we need to go back and and have a hard think about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I enjoyed being on, and I always tell people it is a journey. So even in our release that we put out on Friday. We fixed excessive, what I consider accessibility problems in our plugin, mm-hmm. like the admin experience of our plugin. Uh, and, and it's just like, there are things that you, you realize after the fact, oh, this could be better. And so I think it's the same way. Like the most important thing about accessibility is to start doing it. And then you can iterate, right? Yeah, that's a good takeaway. I like that Absolutely. you don't have to be perfect that you're striving for better not perfection so yeah Mm -hmm. better with iteration all right thank you so much and with that adios that's all for this episode thanks to amber for talking with us about the accessibility checker plugin excuse me while i go install it on every site i have access to Follow Amber on Twitter at HeyAmberHines and her company at Equalize Digital. Check the episode description for links to things we mentioned in the show, in particular the Accessibility Checker plugin's free version and Equalize Digital's website, as well as the WordPress Accessibility Day site to sign up for the free virtual conference. Join us next time for a sort of hybrid dev chat interview agency panel with Brian Cords, technology director at Howard Development and Consulting and editor at Master WP, where we'll be talking about the strange in-between space that agencies occupy in the WordPress ecosystem. As always, don't forget to send your questions, thoughts, and fan mail to podcast at blackbird.digital. You can also find us on Twitter as in the loop underscore WP. If you're interested in having a WordPress website custom-built, or you want to join a team that does that, head over to our site at blackbird.digital and drop us a line. Thanks for listening to In The Loop. See you next time.